When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Pittsburgh Steelers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. It's the offseason. It's Monday. You know what that means. It is time for a Monday morning conversation. Really excited for this one. I know I say that every week, but I really do mean it. I, I love having outsiders on the show. This is nothing against Jeremy Drone Bets every Friday. I just love to get a different perspective when it comes to the Steelers. and it, Things that are going on with the Steelers. So let's talk about the news, and then I'll tell you what's coming up with the Monday morning conversation and all that good stuff. So the news is that over, I think it might have been Friday afternoon, Arthur Smith's hire as the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers became official. So no longer are we sitting there, and we talked about this Thursday on the Steelers preview, myself, Dave, and Brian. We all just kind of said, why isn't it official yet? That doesn't make sense. I feel like it should be official right now, and it hadn't been official. So... When I think about it in that respect, it's official, and that's going to be a great lead-in to the podcast today. But also, the Senior Bowl is a wrap. Yes, the Pro Bowl happened. No one cares. The Senior Bowl was probably more, and they probably had more people invested in it in terms of you're looking at prospects, players that could be drafted for your favorite team. The Pro Bowl is just kind of like a charade. But Miles Killebrew and and um, Minka Fitzpatrick, easy for me to say, they were out there and they were they were playing flag football and Miles Killebrew, I think he won an award for catching six footballs without dropping one all at the same time. I don't know. So the senior bowls are out. So the reason why I preface all that with like the Arthur Smith official being high official hiring, today's guest for the Monday morning conversation is a guy named Scott Kennedy. Scott Kennedy covers the Atlanta Falcons for fans first sports network. He also works in the recruiting realm and you know, talking about college prospects for a really long time. He was at the Senior Bowl. So I I really wanted to have Scott on. I want to talk about what the hell happened down in Atlanta. What happened with Arthur Smith? This hot prospect out of Tennessee when he was the play caller for the Titans in 2019 and 2020. And then it all comes crashing down. 
in Atlanta, three straight seven and 10 seasons. So what happened? That's what I'm going to ask Scott. But then at the very end of the conversation, I'm going to definitely pick his brain about the senior bowl, what he saw there, boots on the ground, and maybe some position groups that Steeler fans might be interested in that are very deep. And we'll get all that from Scott Kennedy. So that's the Monday morning conversation. Stay tuned after this break. We'll have Scott on. We'll be right back. Steeler fans, it's Monday, which means it's time for the Monday morning conversation. And with me today, I have a, a great guest, Scott Kennedy, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for us at Fans First Sports Network. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you? That's quite a buildup. I'm not sure I can live up to the great guest. Now now I feel the pressure. I, you know, yeah. the, the hoodie starts getting a little tight around the neck here, Jeff. <laughs> so I, I got to set expectations a little lower. He's, he's an okay. He's a meh. He's a meh he's, guest. We have an okay guest today and Scott Kennedy, but Scott, <laughs> it covers, he does cover the Atlanta Falcons. And I did tease this on my Friday Let's Ride podcast saying that on Monday, I wanted to have someone in, I, I'm so enamored right now. The Steelers made the Arthur Smith hire official mm-hmm. and everyone wants to know what the hell happened in Atlanta because he went from the hottest coordinator option out of Tennessee and he gets the job in Atlanta. So Scott, let's start right there. What the hell happened in Atlanta? We know three straight seven and 10 seasons, but mm-hmm. man, it didn't pan out. Well, I can make this a really short podcast. That would be no fun for me. So I know continue. because <laughs> his first decision is what doomed him. His very first decision. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good Irishman. I hold grudges like hell. So um, the very first decision, the first big move that him and Terry Fontenot made when they came in was to go to skew going after a quarterback in that draft and saying, we don't want Justin Fields. We're going after a tight end. We're going we're gonna to roll with Matt Ryan. And we're going to get Kyle Pitts. Uh, it drove me berserk that the national media is saying, this is a win-now move. Guys, you got a creaky quarterback. You got no offensive line. Your defense is non-existent. And you think this is a win-now move because you got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts? And at the time, we didn't know that Julio Jones wanted out. So it's like, okay, this starts to make a little bit more sense. But what ends up doing him in is a creaky Matt Ryan. And then you go to Marcus Mariota with a third-round pick behind him and Desmond Ritter, who doesn't play until the last four games. And then going into the final season saying, yeah, we're going to ride with Ritter. Which, okay, we saw enough of four-game sample size of Desmond Ritter in 2022 to say, yeah, I want to see some more of Ritter too. But it was only four games. And then you don't play him in the preseason at all. This is a kid that is just desperate for reps, desperate for confidence. And you don't play him in the preseason like you're safe, like this is a rebuilding season or something. Guys, 7-10, and 7-10, and 10 and about $150 million in free agents. you got to win, brother. So they actually went backwards. You look at 2022, and this was a 15th-ranked scoring offense in the NFL with a a bunch of cast-offs. He did a fantastic job in 2021 and 22 to get seven wins out of that roster. Better defense, bunch of money, bunch of draft picks into the offense, and you put all your eggs in the basket of a guy in a third-round pick, and you didn't play him to get any experience, and it blew up in smoke. 
Well, let me let me back up a second mm-hmm. because I, I want a clarifying question because I tried to find this information and really bounced around. There were different. Did he call the plays on yes. offense when he was the head coach? He was the play caller the whole time. Yes. Never gave up those duties. Okay. Did yes. he have what, what? What was his coaching staff like around him on the offensive side of the ball? Was it legitimate or was it? Hey, this is my thing. Fall in line. There, he he was a. I, I think he was actually, believe it or not, a good head coach. Um, when you start thinking about some, what do I want out of my head coach? I want the guys to play hard day in and day out. Uh, I want a good staff and I want, um, let's see, those are two of the big ones right there. Uh, a good staff and are you playing hard? Uh, and a a culture, I guess that kind of goes in with playing hard is why I couldn't get in there. And, and the Falcons down here in Atlanta and I am in Atlanta. I, I, I grew up here. I've been all over this great country of ours i was born in ohio right across this you know right across the straight line from pittsburgh there um i was born in akron so i've I've been up there i've lived the cleveland the pittsburgh thing it's not the steelers down here by a long shot this this is a team that went 50 years without back-to-back winning seasons you know they need a needed some culture they needed some toughness and to come in i think they did a really good job with that but the marriage of not getting a quarterback and and we can talk Lamar Jackson if you want to. I'll shut that one down quick. I'll be really critical of the Falcons a lot, not for that one. And we can get into that if you want to. But to say I'm going with this guy with Desmond Ritter, with you know a, a bridge quarterback with him with Taylor Heineke in a season where you really needed to win, or at least show progress, and then they regressed. Yeah. They actually got worse. And yeah, it's seven and ten, seven and seven and ten. This was a historically bad. I'm not one big for hyperbole. This was arguably the worst schedule the Atlanta Falcons, the best schedule the Atlanta Falcons will ever see, ever. And and then you you look at the quarterbacks they faced. First five weeks of the season, they faced a quarterback with like three combined starts in the NFL. And to go 7-10 and against it and actually go way backwards on offense. You know, when you've got all of this money in these draft picks and this offensive line, three straight top 10 picks on skill players on offense, and to go backwards, meanwhile, the defense is then starting to go up. I had to fire my offensive coordinator. I actually like some of the things that Arthur Smith did as head coach. But if you were an offensive coordinator, if he had an offensive coordinator that wasn't him, he would have been canned, and he probably would have gotten another year. Fire the offensive coordinator, but you weren't able to separate those two for this uh for this cycle, for this, do you keep Arthur Smith or not? So my next question is that clearly Steeler fans are going to look at the parallels between like the Desmond Ritter, which the third round draft pick, Kenny Pickett, first round draft pick, still a really bad quarterback class that year in 2022, nonetheless. And they're going to look at it. Well, he didn't develop Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter did not show any glaring signs of improvement, at least from the outside looking in. Is he going to be able to do with Kenny Pickett? Steeler fans don't want to hear this. They don't Mm -hmm. want to hear Hey, it's Kenny Pickett in 2024. Yeah, you might get someone else like a Mason Rudolph, and there might be a competition, but he's not going anywhere. He's on his rookie contract. So my question is, is how how do you think he would be in terms of Arthur Smith as just a coordinator now, but developing that quarterback position? Do you trust it? Because when he was in Tennessee, Mariota was out. Tannehill comes in. He had success with the veteran. I don't know if that translates or not. Jeff, the more and more I do this, the more I'm getting to the point where I feel like developing a quarterback is bunk. They're just like they're 
these guys get experience and they improve with experience and you put them in a situation to either succeed or not succeed. And if they either have it or they don't, and you can tell when they start getting better and better, when they start becoming more comfortable, when the game starts slowing down for them. But yeah. you know, when you say develop, I start thinking, okay, he's got some mechanical flaws and you know, I need to, I need to tweak this or that. And I just, these guys have been playing football 12 months a year for the last 20 years of their lives. They've got private quarterback coaches at, at, at 15, 14 years old. How much development is really going on? Now we can see improvement without a doubt from year to year, but I'm, well, Jeff, me, I'm really starting clarify. to not believe this. Let me clarify. Cause you make a great point. Mm-hmm. The talents there. It's not, I've always mm-hmm. been that, right. but as a coordinator, I feel like you also have to build a system. Right. And no, this is not all Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay type systems where you have this, you need this style of player and need this. Not going that way, but mm-hmm. are you able to structure an offense that highlights their skill set? Are you able to take Desmond Ritter, who is not, he, he's a mobile guy. He can run. He's not a Lamar Jackson type or even a Justin Fields, but he can run. Were they able to, was Arthur Smith able to, let me preface that, were they able to build that structure that would help him excel? Maybe that's the way I should word it. See, and that that's the question. You don't really know because you saw Matt Ryan have some success. Matt Ryan's had success with 14 different offensive coordinators. Matt Ryan's right. a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you have, and that's the thing in the NFL, what's the longest tenured offensive coordinator in, in the NFL right now? Two years. You know, I think every team in the last two years has changed offensive coordinators. It's insane. So true. you're, you're going to have to do some change. So that, that's what, when I said, can you, can you put your job as a coordinator, as a coach is to put guys in positions to succeed. Did Arthur Smith do that with Desmond Ritter? No. Was. Arthur Smith as bad as Desmond Ritter made him look. No. Was Desmond Ritter as bad as Arthur Smith made him look? No. But the pairing of those two together was a freaking disaster. Yeah. It was just a disaster. So again, quarterback development, why I, I get on I, I kind of went off a, on a high horse on this, Jeff, is because I see so many fans and so many people, they, they've got this sense of belief that on a long enough timeline, any quarterback is going to be a franchise guy. We just have to draft and develop him. Develop him. That's it. We just, we just have to develop him. Look at Jordan Love. I'm like, guys, Jordan Love isn't good because he sat for three years. Jordan Love is good because he's good. <laughs> Are you telling me he wouldn't be better? After, you wouldn't be better in year four of his career? If he hadn't played the last three years, is that what you're trying to tell me? Because yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Like, oh, we'll just draft a guy and we'll just develop him. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm available. I, develop yeah. me. You know, so I I I I I bristle, I I cringe at that development stuff a little bit more now nowadays because I don't see a ton of development. I see good I see good players being put in good situations. And they're either good enough or they're not. They're the you know you bring up you know some of these quarterbacks that Jordan Love is an example that panned out later. They're they're outliers. There's very few. I mean, you could bring up like a Geno Smith who had opportunities early in his career, didn't work out. Turns out he is he's making he's winning games. We'll put it that way. I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl for Seattle, but still, let's let's go to the next step. That now, okay, the quarterback situation. I think we diagram that well. 
a lot of fans, Steeler fans, mm-hmm. look at Arthur Smith and say, why should we be excited about this guy? He had Kyle Pitts. He had Bijan Robinson. He had all Drake London, all these players. And it's like, he got nothing out of them. I mean, Kyle Pitts might've been the biggest disappointment from a, everyone looks at it from a fantasy standpoint, because how is this guy not absolutely tearing up the lead the way they use tight ends and flex them out and put them in motion and doing all he's so athletic. How, how did he struggle? Meaning Arthur Smith, how did he struggle to utilize the weapons that they had, especially in 2023? Here's the problem I have with Arthur Smith listening, just after watching the non-success of this season, especially, and then saying, you know, and then listening to him after the fact, what I heard way too often was, oh, you know, we didn't get this look. Uh, they showed, you know, we didn't have the look that we wanted. And my God, Arthur Smith wants to, his culture, his identity is power football, you know? So dictate, that was, that was the word that kept coming to mind on offense. You mean to tell me if I got a safety rolling over George Pickens, I'm not going to throw him the ball just because I didn't get the look. No, by God, you, you, you force feed your top players. Oh, you know, Jerry Rice, we, we put him in the slot, but they, they had a, a safety over top of him. So, you know, we couldn't go to Jerry Rice. That's how I felt listening to Arthur Smith this year. Now I'm not putting all this on him with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had a good, a good a freshman. I've been watching, I've been watching college football again, doing yeah. draft stuff. I've been watching, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts had a good rookie season with Matt Ryan at his, as his quarterback. Now, one of my biases in scouting, I like big receivers. I, I like George Pickens. They're always open. Just just throw it to him. But yeah. after watching how inaccurate Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter are, I realized that you, you've got to be – they're open, but you've got to be accurate. Because if I overthrow him, obviously there's nothing there. And if I underthrow him, he's got to come back through a body or he's in trouble. You know, they're open, but you got to put it in a space where he can go up and rebound the ball. They couldn't get him the ball that way. And I wonder, 77% of his snaps, I think, is what it is. So just call it 80% of his snaps come come from the slot or come out wide. He, he ain't putting his hand in the rubber pellets uh, and, and going out there and, and, and running routes against linebackers. He's going against corners. Well, yeah. he's not getting the separation out there against corners. And then you got guys that can't really get him the ball. And then he gets hurt. You know, then, then he gets injured. And he was, this was kind of a, almost a red shirt year for him this year. Meanwhile, Drake London is making those contested catches. He's been playing out there at wide receiver uh, and he's been re- doing really well. And then overall, if you look at Bijan Robinson, 1500 yards from scrimmage is a pretty good rookie year. Um, but again, it was so inconsistent and it always felt so predictable on that. But that was, that was the thing I had. It's like, you got... Jake Matthews at left tackle. You got a second round pick at guard. You've got a third year, a second year center who's fifth in run blocking. He's a top five guy according to PFF. You've got the highest graded football player in football in the entire NFL in, in, in Chris Lindstrom at right guard. And then you got a Mauler at right tackle. And you want to tell me that we didn't like the look? Run it down there. GD throats. And that's basically we kind of joke with Arthur Smith every every so every game at one point he hits the effort button we're just going to run it it's like I want to try and be balanced I want to try and do these throws well it's not working we're just going to run it down their damn throats and they would they would and they were always close in a lot of games they played a lot of scrappy ugly we don't have the guys football and they were always close games first year a lot of them went their way second year a lot of them didn't. Third year, the schedule, 
an think of the most average Steelers team you could possibly think of. They're 12 and 5 with the Falcon schedule, at least. I'm not even saying it's good. It could be first round outs in the playoffs, but an average team is 12 and 5 this year. And that's why Arthur Smith is gone because he went 7 and 10. So, Steeler fans right now listening to this are probably uh, not too happy or enthusiastic about it, but I don't want to paint a picture that Arthur Smith did nothing well. So we talked about a lot of his limitations, some self-imposed that clearly, whether you're talking about the draft decisions or his implementation of his offense, in your opinion, though, what did he do? Well, what, what were the things that about Arthur Smith? You're like, you know, I really liked how he did that, or maybe there was nothing. I don't know. I'm going to give you the floor there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of things in there. And one of the things I mentioned was the the guys played hard for him. Okay. If I'm going to be, when I think of the Steelers, I'm not thinking run and shoot. I'm not thinking finesse football. I'm thinking. Steelers, man. I'm thinking AFC North, black and blue division, power football. But you've got, again, dictate. If I got Najee Harris and an offensive line that I like and I'm limited at quarterback, I don't care if I see eight in the box. I'm going to run it anyway. Stop me. I'm going to trust my defense and I'm going to trust that come third quarter, I might play some ugly football, but I'm going to trust that the third quarter that those body blows start paying off. I'm not going to put my put the ball in the air with a turnover machine quarterback trying to out cute trying to outsmart somebody. It's like, listen, either you're power football or you're not. Don't try and be, we want an identity of power football, but we're also going to try and outsmart you with scheme. Dude, my scheme is I'm gonna line up and knock you in the freaking ground. That's my scheme. And when Arthur Smith sticks to that, it's fun. For an old guy like me, it's fun. It's fun to watch. I am tougher than you football and that can be fun. And, and again, you mentioned Kenny Pickett, you, you, you make it sound like, and I don't think this is the national perception that Kenny Pickett as the starting quarterback is a foregone conclusion. You know, we start talking about some, some guys outside of Pittsburgh that might be, might, might be pretty good fits with the Steelers. And I think Justin Fields going and playing in an Arthur Smith offense would be the height of irony considering that passing on Justin Fields probably got him fired in Atlanta. Yeah, we we've t- we talk about it and it would just all depend on what it would take, you know, with Fields. Like what is Chicago going to be asking for? Cuz the Steelers don't have a lot of draft capital this year to part with, you know. I mean, it, I I'm not against that and there's a lot of names that have been also thrown around in terms of Russell Wilson potentially going there. I'm not crazy about that fit. Kirk Cousins, okay, maybe. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Kenny Pickett is not the guy or is the guy, but I think he is going to have competition. But if it's Mason Rudolph, then I'm probably thinking they're going to go with Kenny Pickett. That's just my own opinion. Because the, yeah. the Steelers are a proud franchise. They don't want the, boy, did we swing and miss in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. They hate you. They hate what was he? What was he taking? 25? 20th yeah, 20. I mean, is that really a big swing and miss? Like you take a quarterback to this, back, to this fan base. Yes. You take a back end of the first quarterback and that's a, maybe we hope he becomes something type of guy. Right. Not this is the guy. Yeah. You got to go top five for that. In my opinion, for me, you start looking at quarterbacks in this class, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, man, I don't want them anywhere before 20. And if I'm taking them at 25, I'm not expecting them to be. I take 
Number three, Zach Wilson. He better be a franchise guy. Yeah. Number two, Zach Wilson. Apologies. He better be a franchise guy. But at number 20, I'm like, all right, I'm taking a swing here, but not any real high expectations, but it's the quarterback position. And if I hit, it's worth it because it's the most important position on the field. A 20 wouldn't keep me from drafting a quarterback again the next year if I was there was a guy that I liked, that's for sure. Well, yeah, the, the Steelers quarterback room is going to be pretty bare. It's expected that Mitch Trubisky might be cut for salary cap purposes. Mason Rudolph is a free agent. That leaves Kenny Pickett. So you're going to have to bring in some, someone. Uh, I would be okay if they were to bring in com- competition. I've been on record by saying if they were to go out and get a Justin Fields, I'm not going to hate it. I'm I'm not going to sit there and bemoan the decision. They they think they are a quarterback away from from competing with mm-hmm. the defense that they have. If they can stay healthy, the playmakers they have on that side of the ball. I'm not saying I agree with that, but they that's what they believe that they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. I don't know. So you got to do what you got to do. I also think if you want to go back to 2022, Kevin Colbert's last draft, that's a swing for the fences. Let's see if I can get this organization a quarterback for the next decade plus at pick 20 when no one else took a quarterback up until that point. Let's see if I can outsmart everyone. No I one took know. another one again until the third round. I think I I'm know. pretty sure Desmond Ritter was the next quarterback off the board. You are, Yeah. And then Sam Howell doesn't go, I think, till fifth. The fifth uh, well, Malik game. Willis was in there somewhere, too. He was in the fifth as well. I don't was know he? which one first. And then um, who was the kid out of Ole Miss who is out of the league now? That was Corral. Um, Matt Corral, yeah. yeah. yeah no, was- it, it goes to, because, I mean, this that was a historically bad quarterback class, but you see teams coming in, these quarterback-starved teams like the Denver Broncos, uh, like the Atlanta Falcons. You, know, you can't go into the draft saying, we have to get a quarterback. We have to. I'm like, really? How would you like to feel like that going into the 2022 draft? No, you know, no offense Steelers fans, but, you know, when your best option is Kenny Pickett, you might be better off taking – the old best prospect available. I'm trying to change that word. I hate the phrase best player available because it's, it's, you're never going to get the best player available. I mean, Steelers might have, but, um, you know, usually <laughs> it's like just mathematically speaking, I guarantee you there's right, somebody yeah. down the board who is going to end up being a better player. Fair so, enough. how'd you like to go into that 2022 draft saying, I have to come out of this with a quarterback? Now, if you like a guy, take him, trust your board. That's fine. But by God, don't reach. And that's, it's kind of how I'm feeling with the second tier of quarterbacks in this draft, Jeff. It's just, I feel like you're trying to talk yourself into a bunch of them. Well, let's transition because I, you gave us great insight as to Arthur Smith's time in Atlanta, but you were just at the Senior Bowl leading up to the game. And Senior Bowl week is, to me, it's like the official kickoff. It's like the, okay, yes, college football's been over now for several weeks, but this is the first time that these prospects have taken their attention and it's not with their college team. It's I'm looking ahead at the NFL and teams are there. And obviously Mike Tomlin is always a very visible person there. And Steeler fans love to know who's he talking to, what position group is he hanging around with, which is probably everyone. But from a positional standpoint, what are some of the deepest groups you have that, that in your opinion, coming into this upcoming 2024 NFL draft? I think the two deepest positions um, not just at the Senior Bowl, but moving on, uh, including the people that weren't at the Senior Bowl, are offensive tackle and wide receiver. Yeah. You know, I start looking at wide receivers at this. It's like you know the podcast we do when we do coast to coast on uh, on the on this network as well on Fridays, and you're like, how many of the top receivers weren't even there? 
there's like six or seven that could go in the first round that weren't even there. And we're starting going down the list. I'm like, I can say good things about all of these guys. Like 10 of them all made some plays. Makes me wonder a little bit about the defensive backs. But uh, the wide receivers were all really good. Now, as I was looking through this, I'm like, maybe the two best prospects in my mind, call it kind of a gut reaction, because I'm not saying, what are you saying? Those guys are going to go draft a first. No, I'm not saying that. Not yet. I'm saying from what I saw at this event, um, Jackson Powers Johnson, Center Oregon, I start looking. I admire the hell out of the team building that the Pittsburgh Steelers do and the Baltimore Ravens do. And every time I see a guy that someone says is going to slide down the board for one reason or another, I'm saying they're ending up in Baltimore or they're ending up in Pittsburgh because that's how they go. They build these teams that never lose or, you know, you know, I mean, like losing seasons and people are like, how do they end up with this guy? Adafa Owe was one of those guys, um, the big defensive tackle Jones to uh, to the Ravens. And I look, I'm like, all right, uh, the, the center guard is a non-position of value. This could be the best damn player in the whole draft. Yeah. And he'll slide down some because of his position. I'm like, all right. So he ends up with the uh with the Ravens or Steelers. And I'm like, all right, well, what about the Steelers? So I take a look at the uh at the at the depth chart. I'm like, okay, you've got a your center was on about four million dollars. You could save three by cutting him. Okay. <laughs> that means you're vulnerable. I'm like, all right, well, how did he grade out on PFF? Not that that's the truth, but it's kind of a guide. Um if I haven't watched him, just, you know, is he, what neighborhood is he in? Uh, right. 30th among centers. Like, um, okay, well, this is a round hole, round peg. And Jackson Powers Johnson to to Pittsburgh as a, as a center for the next 15 years and get in a Hall of Famer at 12 Pro Bowls. I mean, that's the kind of guy this kid could end up being. And I ask you, Jeff, how high is too high to draft him? If you're going to future Hall of Famer, how high is too high to draft a guy if he's not of a, position of value i don't think there's a wrong answer for this taking 20th overall when the steelers pick in the first round of the 2024 draft because they need a center if he's Mason still there Gray. you'd be yeah. silly not to take i mean you could you could why not take a guy if you feel this way if i look at creed humphreys i'm like okay you went later and that's the argument you get all these guys later and later but if i could have a 10-time pro bowler at 11 would i take him on the offensive line at center uh yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers fans know the center position is pretty darn important. And, and last year was Omar Khan's first year as the general manager, and he showed, to me at least, that I'm willing to leapfrog people, and I'll give up some capital to do so. When he leaped over the Jets to take Broderick Jones in the first round, traded with the Patriots, a little AFC East fun there with the Belichick and, and the Jets. But still, yeah, he's if he sees a player that they covet, and he and his assistant GM, Andy Weidel, definitely covet offensive line play. In my opinion, offensive tackle and center are the two positions they need to address this draft. And I think they need to address them high in the draft. And so if it was a first-round center, I'm here for it. Like We have seen, you talk about Creed Humphrey's second-round pick, Steeler fans still hate that they took Pat Fryermuth over him mm-hmm. in the draft. They, they passed on Creed Humphreys, okay? And then last year, Tyler Linderbaum, he's starting for the Ravens right now. So it, th- these positions are not like, uh, well, it's, he's going to come in, but it might take him a few years. These centers that are coming up that are highly graded are playing early and they're playing well. And so what did I, I just say? Tyler Linderbaum was one of those guys. Oh, this could be the best offensive lineman in the draft. Where does he end up? Baltimore. Baltimore in the playoffs. <laughs> That's not a coincidence. Uh, I like Creed Humphreys was at the senior bowl. Um, he came in. Oh, here we go. Here, here's the thing. Okay. 
I'm watching this guy. He's in all whites. Um, JPJ, he's in all whites. Just looks slim as can be. He's sidestepping. Uh, he, they had him at guard. He's sidestepping an end, you know, shuffle, 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 and just floating out there with him. I'm like, good Lord. He's in these nice slim whites. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what's he weigh? And I looked down and I went, I bug-eyed. I, I let out an expletive. Like, oh, shh. Really? 334 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Creed Humphreys was 300. He's 302. He doesn't, Creed Humphreys didn't move like this. He didn't move people like this. At this same stage, at the same event, Jackson Powers Johnson is a significantly better prospect at the same point in the evaluation process. That's you know, you incredible. start saying, would, would top 10, would, would 10 be too high to take a center? No, no. If I get him the best player at the position on the offensive line in football for the next decade, uh, I'm okay with that. So when when he goes that high, I'm going to be one of the first people on the board to take those naysayers and say, you don't just, just forget it. You just solved this position for the next decade. Yeah. Well, it's also good to hear that the offensive tackle group is also very deep. Um, I just think that the Steelers ultimately, if they can get another bookend for Broderick Jones, you have your future tackles for, like you said, potentially the next decade plus Broderick Jones showed some position flexibility last year, playing on the right side as well as on the left, filling in for Dan Moore, but Dan Moore is not it. Steeler fans know that. And it's just a matter of whether the Steelers admit it because they always say, Hey, Dan, Dan Moore works hard. That's fine. He's just not good enough. Uh, any other positions pop out to you though, at the senior bowl while we're at it? Uh, the defensive line I liked again, I think the trench play is usually better than the skill players at, at an event like this skill guys are born. Trench players are kind of built. It just takes yeah. a little bit longer for them to mature and all this type of stuff. And if you're a really, really good skill player, now that the rules have changed, we might see some more of them, but those guys come out as juniors. <laughs> you know, we, we don't see them at the senior bowl. The rules have changed, but and if they're good enough to come out as juniors, they're probably not going to come do an all-star camp. Um, so, but the defensive line, there was a player there, Darius Robinson, uh, Missouri defensive end. I did the same thing, just the opposite side of the field, opposite colors. Instead of in all whites, like uh, Jackson Powers Johnson was, Darius Robinson is in all black, and he's wearing six in the middle, just little tiny six in the middle of his jersey. He lo he looks like an outside linebacker. Like I was like, okay, you know, he's slip. His, you know, people say film doesn't lie. Yes, it does. You 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 can't always tell how big somebody is on film because there's some perspective there. So I'm watching this in person and I'm like, okay, what's he, what's, well, big is he six, five, 285 pounds. And he's, wow. he's bouncing around like a pogo stick out there and he's taking offensive tackles, grabbing them by the shoulder pads, jerking them one way and just throwing them over his shoulder the other way. And he's beating guys inside, outside, right side, left side, inside, outside. He's playing all over the place. So Darius Robinson, Mizzou, I'm, we'll see how he tests. But coming out of this, I said, my gut reaction, if I don't know anything else, this is what I have to go by is these three days down here, that's the best prospect here. That's the guy I want first is Darius Robinson. Now, there's more to it than that, obviously. Right. But Darius Robinson was coming in end of the third is where he, it was, where he was talking about. And I'm like, if this guy, I don't know what I'm looking at if, if this isn't it. Yeah. At 6'5", 285 pounds with this type of agility. And, and before I would, I'd sink, you know, 20 million into a guy in the first round, I'd want to go back and like, all right, with the spotlight on you, I've seen how you've done. But what is 
every single snap look like? Are you playing hard on every down? Why are, why are you still here at 23 years old? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, you have more questions, but definitely intrigued. That's for sure. Fantastic stuff, Scott. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to plug what you're doing uh, with the Atlanta Falcons side of Fans First Sports Network and anything else that you're working on, any projects, social media stuff. Go ahead and do that now. Yeah, the best place to find me and everything I'm going to end up doing one way or another is on my YouTube channel, just youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Um, I'm pumping out uh, senior bowl highlights right now. Um, quarterbacks, offensive and defensive line. I've got you know, all 50 reps of the one-on-ones from one of the days. There's uh, lots, and I'll be I'll be adding some more of those. I'm running through some quarterbacks again, wide receivers. But over the course of the next three weeks, there will probably be 80 players that have highlights on there if you want to see some of these guys. And it's kind of fun because those are really the day two guys, the day two and day three guys. There's, there's a couple first-rounders that are at the Senior Bowl, but it's really the meat and potatoes of your team are on day two and day three. And a lot of them are at the senior bowl. So you'll get a chance to, to get a look at them. So just youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Nice and easy. Perfect. Scott, thank you very much for taking the time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we'll be in touch. Take it easy. Yeah. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Big thanks to Scott to take the time. Uh, I do appreciate it. I love talking with the guy. He's super knowledgeable. I'm sure that came across throughout the, the actual interview process and the question and answer that we do every Monday morning. And so I hope you enjoyed that Monday morning conversation as much as I did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about Arthur Smith being the play caller, maybe not being the best manager and something that Scott said when we finished. And he said, I should have said this during the show, but I totally forgot is that uh, Arthur Smith had a lot of say in how the personnel was decided. He was more of a GM than they've ever had there in a really long time in Atlanta. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. He's not going to be tasked with doing that in Pittsburgh. He's just going to be calling plays, getting the scheme ready, all that fun stuff. So we'll see if that pans out for the Steelers. But I learned a lot. want to remind everyone to be on the lookout Tuesday morning for the mailbag tweet. Ask the question. I'll answer it live on the air on Wednesday morning uh, during the Let's Ride podcast. So make sure you check that out. You can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Other than that, that is a wrap for me. I hope you all have a great start to your week. It's Super Bowl week. We have to we have to accept that. We have to enjoy it. And it's the last week of football, and the Steelers are in full offseason mode, and we'll have everything for you right here at the Steel Curtain Network. You know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Good Steelers.